Let me call. Uh, we'll get Greg Lotus on the phone here. And uh, we'll get Kim on the phone. And uh, we'll see what's up. What's uh, what's good in the hood? What's up? What's going on? How do you feel? You going to vote uh, for Jenner? What's that? You going to vote for Jenner for governor for California? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know. It depends what my choices are. She's running. Well, well, you know, I'm not a fan of the dude that's there now. So, uh, so he's. Uh, I think like a lot of people got a little crazy over the COVID power trip, right? Oh yeah. And now he's scrambling. He can't open things fast enough. He's he, he rolls around with a big pair of scissors in his back pocket. The big bugs? Yeah, big uh, cutting ribbons and doing all kinds of stuff. So he's trying to exactly. He's trying to keep his job. Kim, I think, joins us. Kim, how are you? Good morning. Morning, morning. What's the uh, so? Give us a weather report from Grand Forks. What's going on? But cold. Is it? Oh, not. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's gray. It's. It's gonna it's snow. Shitty. It sucks ass. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday I was watching. Yesterday I was watching Lawson's baseball game. It was sixty-seven degrees. This morning, twenty-nine and yeah. snow. Nice. <laughs> Everything's canceled. Yeah. Everything canceled. The uh, April. It, it, it's it's why we all move here. Oh, you you bet it is. It's well, but April, right? Not like it's not predictable. Sixty-seven would yeah. be like the the surprise. Not a little bit of snow that'll be gone. They had a thing on. They had a thing on the news the other day that the latest it's ever snowed in Grand Forks is May twenty fourth, <laughs> and the latest it's ever snowed in the latest it's ever snowed in the state is June sixth in Minot, <laughs> and the earliest it's ever snowed is August twenty sixth. Is that early or late? Is that is yeah, that that's late? Er, 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 early, early for winter? Early, early for winter. <laughs> That's... So the only only month that hasn't snowed is is August or uh, July. Sorry, <laughs> that... July. Yeah. Hey, that's why we love it. My, my dog's protesting here. For some I know reason. why. Uh, but <laughs> Greg's not long for the. Greg's moving to Florida at some point, right, Greg? So, uh, do you have a community? Not, do you have a community? Not Florida, Arizona. <laughs> No, somewhere where there's water, but I don't know if I could take Florida. Yeah, I don't like Florida. Not too many, too many bugs, too much humidity. That's me. I'm, I'm with Florida. Kimmy. I think Florida's just a it's a ruse, man. They they trick they trick stupid people from New York to move down there. Come on here, lay down. That's right. The street sweepers going by my house. That's why he's fucking pissed. Oh, really? You guys, I mean, down on the south end of town, you guys have what street, street sweepers go by every day, though, right? No, actually, it's usually a, a eleven man crew. Uh, they personally do everybody's driveway. Uh, they do the windows today, I think. Yeah, Greg lives in the tunned up section of town, right? And my friends are successful. Kim lives in the elite brownstones. Yeah, that's the name of his yeah. little community, gated community. I might add. <laughs> Gated, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gated. It, 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 it's, a, it's a sex colony. <laughs> the elite brownstones. That's right. Swingers Club. The, I wouldn't go that far. The, um. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody sent me a question. You, you, can't, you can't walk the hall. 
Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. You can't walk the hall without what? I'm just going to say a bathrobe on uh, <laughs> after 10. You got to have a bathrobe on. That's well, 10 first, in the morning. Well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> at 10 at night, you can fire a cannon, nah. a cannon down those hallways and not hit well, anybody. Well, no, nah, there's nobody uh, has clothes on after 10 at night. Look, most of that place is in bed by 8.15, okay? Let's not kid ourselves. What, um, I have a question. I'm pretty sure that you're right. <laughs> What, um, I have a, I have an ammo question for Greg. Greg, can you buy ammunition up in North Dakota or like much of the rest of the country? Is it in scarce supply? Are you serious? Yes. Of course we can buy ammunition. Okay. All right. Just great. Somebody said it's pretty scarce. Yeah, it's pretty scarce in a lot of places. Well, I'm not saying it's a lot of it's in stock, but we can buy it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know? is it available? Oh, most of the, you know, like 223s or 5 or 762s, um, you know, are not available. Um, even 22 is thin. Um, for the guys who like to prank, but, uh, you know, it's been like that for a long time now, uh, based on the election and people were scared. And now that the, um, Biden's in there now, and there's also a continued threat with him taxing every gun that you have and stuff. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I can't oh, imagine. The, um, Let me get my violin. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll tell you what. You go. You try to go buy ammunition, and and uh, well, first of all, here in California, I was just gonna, you know, go and just do, you know, target practice, right? So I go in, and they wouldn't sell me any. And I'm like, what do I have to do? And they're like, oh, you got to fill out this form. You got to wait. I'm like. I don't have a criminal record. Like, I don't, I'm a retired military guy. Like what, the, which, which I, and then I learned was like, Oh, that's a red flag. What? <laughs> a retired military guy. It's a red flag. <laughs> like what? So, yeah. So then we had, what? To, yeah. So then we had, Your to, whole life is a red flag. We, no, we had to go scrounge ammunition. Yeah. So we got to go, nah, you, know, you call farmer, uh-huh. you had to go call farmers and people you knew that would have it. Hey, you got any ammo? Yeah, what do you need? Yeah. Got a couple hundred rounds of forty five? Yeah, sure. Come on by. You should have called my dad. Arizona's a hike. I can't I, I, I can't go that far. The um, it's, called, it's called shipping. Uh here's another email. Got a season for fried chicken. Greg, do you make first of all, do you guys make fried chicken? And if you do, is there a seasoning that you throw on it? You know what? The only uh, I would defer to Kim on this one because the only things I make are chicken wings. I rarely fry a whole chicken, but when when and if I do, I prefer to do it like I was taught by uh, a teammate's mother of mine down in Georgia, and she uses a cast iron skillet. And uh, as far as the seasoning goes, I couldn't tell you what it was. I just licked it off my finger for days. <laughs> Uh, Kim, 
Seasoning for fried chicken. Uh, just uh, just salt and pepper. And uh, I don't I don't uh, double bread mine like uh, flour, seasoned flour, uh, egg wash, and then uh, breadcrumbs. Or like you can do breadcrumbs. You can do crushed up cornflakes. You can do all kinds of stuff like that. But uh, it just it's you get skin on. You leave the skin on, of course. If you're going to eat fried chicken, you got to eat the goddamn skin. Whoa. Uh, and then you dust it in flour. You let it sit for a minute. Uh, and then you, you drop it in uh, oil in a cast iron skillet. You're right, Greg. Uh, it, it holds the heat, you know, and you cook it at about 350, 375. It gets any hotter than that, the oil starts to smoke and you burn your chicken. And the thigh... Yeah. I mean, I mean, the breast takes the longest to cook, so you know the wings are the fastest to cook. So you know you have to pace yourself on that. I was going to say, Mac, that when if, he if said eat the, eat, eat, the, eat the skin, Kim's absolutely right. Why would you have fried chicken without eating the skin? It's like the people that dab their pizza with a napkin. Because they think they're going to, you know, save a lot of calories. <laughs> That's been proven wrong. But I got to tell you a story about in high school, I may have <laughs> bet, bet the occasional law or two. Um, but my buddy used to work at KFC. And so we were always curious about the recipe and stuff like that. But the chicken came in these huge 50-pound barrels. Our, or the seasoning did. So he, I, something happened to a barrel and it ended up in his truck. And um, we ended up all year for fi- fishing that year. We would bre- bread our walleye with the Kentucky Fried Chicken batter and fry it up, <laughs> along with pork chops and chicken and everything else. But man, oh man, it was a good That's great. Anyway, it ran out pretty fast because we fish with a lot of guys. I don't really know what happened. Yeah, and, and I don't know but, how. But I don't with, know how that barrel. That's wa- a great story. Well, ba- that barrel wound up in the back. How of that barrel truck. got on that of a truck? Yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, I was well, happy though. Mis- mis- mystery movers. Um, yeah. But also, if you want uh, with your fried chicken and your seasoned flour, you can add. Uh, uh, cayenne, uh, and to give it a little zip if you want. That sounds good. And then your salt and pepper, and then salt and pepper, and then and that's it. You you know let the chicken then uh, speak for itself. And the flour on there is plenty enough uh, breading to make it crispy. And uh, throw it in that cast iron skillet. Yeah, you know that's you- something. <clears throat> that's something I- that a lot. You know, I mean. Fried chicken is something that we all grew up on, right? And now oh, yeah. it's yeah. not, yeah. you know, kids would look at you like, eat chicken with the skin on? And they just shut up and leave me alone, okay? Just yeah. go away. You don't need to be a part of this. Yeah. Well, it, well, it was cheap. <laughs> it was cheap, and it was easy to easy to make, and you could make a boatload of it, and it would keep. Like, my mom would make chicken salad out of all the, you know, the stuff the next day or 
make a casserole yeah. or something or cut it up and put it in a salad or whatever. I mean, that, that went forever. Well, you know, and that was – it's fun. yeah, it's funny to talk about those recipes, right? Uh, pot roast, leg of lamb, right? You you feed oh. six or seven people on that stuff, right? And then there's the, – you know, then you can uh, – you know, you throw in a bunch of veggies and a couple potatoes. There's your meal, right? And it's pretty cheap uh, to feed about seven people. Yes, it is. And you do have some left over. So it's funny. Sure All those recipes like, uh, you know, things like goulash, right? I, I mean – you you could feed the masses with that stuff, and as Greg said, you know you have some left over, you know for and and that was the key when instead of having one or two kids, you know people had, you know five six seven eight, you know kids in the house. Well, I'll tell you what, who doesn't like a good roast with brown brown gravy? Oh, like I even I even Heather introduced me to rutabagas when we got here, um, even almost half rutabaga, half potatoes. But the baby carrots in there and onions, and, and it is amazing. Like the kids absolutely pound pot roast and, and mashed potatoes. Oh my god! Are you oh yeah, me? hello. Uh, let me just tell you, my <laughs> my mom's pot roast with you know carrots in the gravy, and uh, and and the gravy itself over mashed potatoes. It's yeah. one of the most requested meals by my kids on their birthday. And because of because the gravy yeah. is just to die for. So to me, pot roast again. There's another pot roast. Who thought it? You know, a delicacy. Oh, you bet your ass it is, right? If it's and done right, them. yeah. Oh, my God. Plus, my mom would make uh, leftovers. Yeah. I was going to say hot beef sandwiches. So she put the leftover meat oh. inside the bread, dump gravy all over it, and serve it with. Uh, French fries, cheese curds, and gravy on top of that. So it was poutine. No wonder I was a fat ass kid. <laughs> oh, that you're killing me, Greg. I'm starved. Jesus, <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. No, let me tell you. I mean, uh, uh, and those those dishes were so good. Here's an email. Yes. It's always funny to listen to you guys talk about. Your mother's cooking, except for Kim. The um, yeah, Kim. Uh, what, you were talking about your mom cooking liver and onions. <laughs> you weren't very complimentary. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, it. she uh, she started out slow. <laughs> she finished strong, and in, in her later years, uh, but she started out slow cooking. Uh, there were certain things like. Okay, yeah, she okay. just cooked yeah. fried chicken. Right. So, okay. Here's, here, here, here's the email. The email says this: What was your favorite dish your mother made? Greg, favorite dish your mom made? Oh my God! I'd have to, there's two. Uh, one is her rigatoni and meatballs because your meatballs are the size of like my fist. They were mammoth <laughs> and. Uh, the, I always wanted rigatoni or rotoni uh, because they're long tubes that have the ridges and they trap more sauce. Yep. So she she would always have a, um, a gravy boat full of sauce and obviously fresh grated parm. Uh, but that and she would make her cabbage rolls were so good. I mean, my wife still makes them oh. to this day. And, 
And uh, it's amazing how many of my friends requested those two dishes from my my mom because, you know, my dad was the only worker in our house, so we didn't make a lot of money. I don't think I ever saw my mom buy uh, meat at the deli, whether it be a roast or chicken or whatever, that wasn't marked for reduced uh, because they were supposed to sell it that day. Uh, nothing wrong with the meat. If she didn't use it, she froze it and stuff like that. She stretched meals like like uh, Alaska man. So I would say those two meals were mine. Right. Kim, how about you? Your favorite meal your mom made growing up? Oh, my favorite meal was the Sunday roast beef and uh, uh, with mashed potatoes and peas uh, and those little... Uh, those oh geez the the rolls the hot cross oh. rolls <laughs> and th- and then the second one was uh, a fried chicken actually uh, I mean I I devour you know I was only allowed four pieces of fried chicken but well, you're God, only four? so good you're on the quota oh yeah yeah she she only cooked so much and she. You know, you yeah, you can have up to four pieces because she wanted leftover. She wanted leftover for doing something else. And uh, but yeah, yeah, you you uh, oh Christ, I could eat eight pieces for Christ's sake. So let me ask you, Kim. I mean, I, I have a question about your mom's peas when she served them because my kids prefer the canned peas rather than the fresh frozen peas from the freezer. What did you like? Well, we used to, uh, starting out, we uh, had the canned peas. And then uh, frozen food became, you know, like Swanson dinners and that kind of stuff came in in the 50s. Uh, uh, And uh, then she would buy frozen peas, frozen corn, that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I I like to can vegetables myself. Uh, uh, now I we we get these uh, we get black beans and stuff like that. Uh, they have no sodium in them, and oh. uh, so and I I love beans. We eat a lot of beans. <laughs> They're good for me. Yeah, I I started out. My mom used to buy S and W peas in a can. And they were yes, they were yes. a little mushy though, and, but I didn't know that until she bought Green Giant frozen peas, and I thought Green yes. Giant frozen peas uh, with a with a lot of butter were like head and shoulders above S and W peas, which I thought were mushy, yeah. which I thought were mushy, but I didn't know they were mushy. But the can the can the, the can peas were already cooked, so all you had to do was heat them up. Uh, you know, and uh, dump them in a pan, saucepan, a little water, and heat them up, and then serve them. My mom sometimes. Hello. Hello, Kim. You muted yourself. And uh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> oh, oh, a little uh, mushy. You hear me? I can. Oh shit! Oh, you can hear me? Yes. Yeah, now we can. Wait a minute. Okay. 
Come in, Rangoon. Sorry about that. That's all right. It happened. Yeah, come in. That's, that's the, yeah. So did you guys ever Very eat delicate mac, mac or Kim? Did you ever eat cream peas on toast or shit on a shingle chip beef on toast? Uh, we we did. Oh, we, we did shit on a shingle all did, the time. We we didn't. We did cream. Uh, <laughs> we did. We did uh, cream tuna on Friday on Friday nights uh, with uh, with uh, S and W peas dumped in it. Uh, so it was this, this tuna fish with that white sauce my mom would make, and then uh, peas, yeah. and that over over toast. We did that. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. We. She didn't make any breakfast meal like that. The um, yeah. but let me my the favorite thing I, my mom made when I was growing up was uh, pork chops, and she made pork chops with uh, cream of mushroom soup, condensed milk. And sauteed the pork, you know, you know, brown the pork chops, and then just dumped the the cream mushroom soup and the gravy that came out of that between the juice from the from the pork chops it was it's still incredible to this day. Yeah. And so I loved, and then with peas, so mashed potato peas right. and, and and pork chops. But yeah. my mom made invented a sandwich that um, we started eating in Binghamton, New York, when my dad was managing the Binghamton triplets up there. And it was, she started taking a roll of fresh French bread and she'd slice it and then she would, she would take um, ground beef and onions and slowly but surely over time, my mom turned those into a work of art and, you know, green peppers and Worcestershire sauce and, and, you know, American cheese. And so. Almost yep. like a her version, of kind of like a Philly cheesesteak, but not really, but something along those lines. And so she would make those yeah. um, in individual French rolls now, and she'd pull out some of the bread so it wouldn't be so bready. And then she would quarter potatoes the long way, and she would she would make big French fries. And, fries. Oh, my God. I mean, they were gigantor. Oh. And my friends and I... Yeah. She would make about I don't know twenty of those sandwiches. I I'd have like four of my friends over, five of my friends over, and my friends would go crazy. <laughs> and you know those French fries that like you eat three of them, you've eaten a whole gigantic potato, right? You run out of ketchup, yep. which is a catastrophe if you do, um, because you just need it everywhere. But that became one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, when I was in high school, when I was in high school. The, yeah. The uh, yeah. My mom. Yeah. That was yeah. That was the only. That was the only thing I was a very good. I was just gonna say that was the only thing I was pissed off about my mom about because she shopped on a budget. She always bought the budget ketchup, and it tastes yeah. doesn't taste anything like Heinz. So uh, when I got old enough to buy my own ketchup, you can be sure I never. Chose the shitty ketchup again, and uh, it doesn't taste right to, in your mouth, right? Your mouth yells no. like, "What the fuck is this?" She tries to pull that shit with the kids when they were young; they weren't having it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can taste it, right? I mean, like for instance, when I go to McDonald's, oh, when I go to McDonald's, it's supposed to taste a certain way, right? It's supposed to yeah. taste, and when it doesn't yes. taste that way. Your mouth likes yells, what the fuck is this? Right? And it might be because if you substitute Pepsi for Coke, it doesn't taste the same thing. Right? No. If, if you have, 
not no. Heinz ketchup, but but Hunt's ketchup. It tastes different. And you're like, I why why is this going on? What is going on? This and you're like, oh, that shit. No wonder. Yes. Yes. No, it's That's crazy. That's the culprit. <laughs> and then you, then she tries to pull over the wool over your kid's eyes. They're like, Grandma, what is this? No dice. <laughs> no dice. <laughs> that is funny. The um, here's another one. Since we're talking about seasonings today, a discussion which I thoroughly enjoy, and I chuckled the other day when I'm not sure who said it, but. There was a comment made by, if you go down the rub and sauce aisle, you'll go into vertigo and pass out because there's so much. Are you kidding me? And then go online and try to figure it out as well. You could buy any flavor tinged with anything, either rub or sauce. You can imagine the selection is dizzying. How about grilling pork chops? Do you guys, other than Mac, I hate when they do shit like this. And you think the, this question is going to see the light of day? <laughs> Does anybody, do you guys, other than Mac, uh, put anything on pork chops when you put them on the grill? Uh, myself? No, I'm salt and pepper guy. My kids prefer it that way. Um, you know, when you buy quality meat, I like to let the meat shine through. I learned that from Kim a long, long time ago. You buy a good product, you don't need to do much for it. You look at Neapolitan pizzas for Italy or Greek has their dishes uh, all around the world. Very simple ingredients. And so the key with pork is a long time ago, they used to tell, or tell you to cook the shit out of it. And it would dry it out because of trichinosis and all this stuff. But now they're advocating for a little bit more of a clearer center and stuff like that. So I like a nice uh, pork chop that has a good crust to the outside, some browning, whether you do it in a skillet or cast iron skillet, which is some of my favorite ways to cook steaks. I look at this, uh, learned steak au poivre poivre from Kim, which sounds like a fancy dish, but it's actually real easy, like very few ingredients. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way I like to do it because he's right. Look at the rubs and the rub aisle. It is dizzy, dizzying, but I'll tell you what. Look at like a seasoning like Lowry's that has been stood the test of time rather than these flash-in-the-pan yeah. come-by-night dudes that mix, you know, hot sauce with Creole, with uh, Cajun, with butter, and blah, blah, blah. Well, you can't taste the damn food. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm with you, Greg, salt and pepper. And then if you want to uh, season it, you make a sauce or you have a compound butter that you put on your, your steak or your pork chop uh, or your lamb chops when you take it uh, off the grill. And and you can, the compound butter can have uh, garlic, rosemary, thyme, parsley, uh, whatever in the hell herb you want, chop it up real fine. Uh, I, I like a, a garlic compound butter. And you can mix it with uh, your butter with a blue cheese or something like that. So when it melts, you know, you still taste the meat, 
but you have a little sauce for a little kick. And nice. that's the way I like to do it if when I'm going to if I'm going to add anything. When do you when? when do you apply that? After you, after after you grill it, right? Once you pull it off the, uh, the yeah. pan or the barbecue, you put the pad on top and then you let it rest obviously right in tin foil or somewhere. Yeah. And you and you let it rest and it makes this yep. nice glaze like they do it at all the big steakhouses like Delmonico's and Peter Luger's and shit like that. Um, they've been making their compound butter sometimes is with truffle uh, salt or oil, uh, which is, comes from mushrooms. But Kim, Kim's right. You can learn how to make compound butter on the internet. It takes two minutes. And and how you make that compound butter? I mean, you can make it a week ahead, a month ahead. You uh, take a, a, a half a pound of butter. Say you don't want to make too much compound butter. Or you want to make a couple, and you split a pound of butter, two sticks each, and you let it come to room temperature. You mix whatever ingredients you are, want in it. Then you then you take it and you put it on, on a piece of saran wrap, kind of like a, a log. You make kind of a log. And then you roll the saran wrap, and then you start twisting the ends, and you, you make a tube. And then you put that tube in the freezer. And then whenever you want it, the, uh, you're going to use it the next day. You take it, you put it in the fridge. And then you pull back the saran wrap and you cut a slice of your butter off, however much you want. And, and there. And, and you've got a sauce anytime you want. Uh, because, yeah. you know, and you can get it. It it's only stops your your imagination is the only thing that stops you. And when Kim you, talks, can, you can create something. Go I ahead. Was say, when Kim talks about the butter mac making like a half a pound or whatever, I have three kids and a wife <laughs> and myself that eat the shit out of meat. <laughs> so when we make compound butter, we make like four to five pounds of different kinds. And so we can always take it out. Yes. And it lasts, it lasts for a, a long time. Yeah. And that is... But, That's a tremendous way to do it. But Kim's thing has always been, you know, develop your own, right? To f- figure out what you like. I mean, and, and yeah. you know, you can, you can, when you listen to this program, you can see the kind of wide palettes that, you know, both Greg and Kim have. But, you know, and, and you go eat something, you say, hey, what did you put in that? And then, you know, and then mess with your stuff and evolve it into something that's just out of this world. But I'll tell you what, you, you know, that kind of, you know, compounded butter, you know, over a piece of yeah. uh, over a piece of I don't care what you put it on top of when it's good. It fish I mean, anything. Yeah. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I had a piece of at the toasted frog. I don't know if it was uh yeah. I don't know if it was uh, on a ribeye or but it was ab- it was delicious. Absolutely delicious. Um uh and all it was was a slab of this stuff on top of a piece of steak and it it it, would, it made the steak incredible. And so uh no, I, I you guys are spot on with with And what things. people have to realize Mac, is like you're talking about it was awesome on that piece of steak. Well, restaurants get access to uh, prime cuts of meat, and only 4% to 5% of meat in America is stamped prime. 
So you're going to pay a lot extra for it. The next one's choice, and then it goes down from there. Nothing wrong with choice. You can look for marbling, but you got to look for me, especially if you're having a ribeye, with intermuscular fat and, and, you know, striations in there. Not huge hunks. I mean, you can cut those ones off in the end on a ribeye. But you got to buy good products. So you probably had a hell of a steak there, but it was probably prime. And there's only so many places. But in California, I'd imagine there's a lot of places to buy prime meat. But here, there's only one. Sam's Club sells it. And it's usually four to four to five bucks that extra a pound. So, But you can taste the difference. Let me tell yep. you. Yeah. No, let me tell you. Um, I I agree. Yeah, it's it's a little bit In different. In fact, that's that's where we buy uh, a lot of the uh, prime. All our prime stuff is from Sam's. Is not only cheaper, it's pre-cut and they're they're pretty decent sized steaks or yeah. roasts or whatever. Yeah. The, um, no, I mean, but, uh, yeah. If you want to have, little, if you have, if you yeah. want to have a having great beef having great steaks right if you're going to grill them mm-hmm. starts with a good a, a great piece of meat right if you if you yeah. think you're going to take a mediocre piece of meat you know and then you go ahead and just surprise everybody and pay about $30 a pound for a ribeye or something and 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 then and then cook it right and watch what everybody says oh my god like what is all so what what did you do different? Where did you get yeah, this? What did you do different? <laughs> yeah. I bought a better piece of meat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good place to start if you don't want to screw it up. And another another tip, folks, that uh, Greg and Mac and I have preached: you bring the meat or the fish or the pork to room temperature before you grill it. So when it hits the grill or the cast iron skillet, uh, it's at room temperature. It sears faster and uh, keeps the juices in. Uh, you just don't take it out of the fridge and throw it in cold. That's a, a big, big uh, difference when you're cooking, guys. Yeah, because the, the outside gets like almost crispy burnt and the inside is blue. You know, so people freak out. Yep. Uh, they also freak out because they think that if they take their meat out an hour before or their pork out an hour before, there's bacteria growing on it. Listen, th- that is fine. That is safe. Yep. So, and if you're putting it on a 600-degree grill or a, a flaming hot uh, pan, you're killing anything that comes in contact with that shit. Yeah, some of that and, stuff And that you're stuff's talking crazy. wives' tales now. Right. Yeah. about uh, uh, you, you know, catching diseases from stuff. Uh, it, it, it and and like your mom does or or Beth does, if she sees something that says, "Oh, you got to use it today," but it's like a couple bucks cheaper a pound, we'll buy it and throw it in the freezer for when we want to use it. Absolutely, and. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt anything at all, and it helps your wallet. Wasn't there a I guy? Mean, meat's wasn't not the, cheap. Wasn't there a guy who wrote uh, what? something recently, or in the not too distant future? That's the, and all he did was buy expired label stuff. Yeah, and he said, and he said, "What happened to me after doing this for a year?" He said, "Nothing." <laughs> 
Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happened to me. In my bank account. Yeah. Was I have more money in my bank account. That's what happened to me. And well, now, you, got, yeah. you got people, Mac, that throw away a bag of chips because the date was like two weeks prior. I'm like, the bag of chips is airtight sealed. Everything in there is fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're throwing it out for our crackers or like cheese. I've, you know how many times I've taken moldy cheese in a block and cut the ends off and shit and then eat it? Like it's fine. Right. Nah, that, hey, Amen, the, brother. The application of common sense, not so much. <laughs> right? I mean, it's true. I mean, even like, you know, things that you do worry about, you know, like dairy products and things that could spoil, right? Oh, that's out of date, right? You grab it, you twist the top off, you stick your nose Smell in it. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. I'll, I'll tell you something that happened to me uh, this week. Uh, I have, uh, I like grape poupon mustard. I had a jar in there. It's probably been in there. Eight nine months, and Beth looked at it and says, "This expired three months ago. We got to throw this out." I I took the lid out off. I put my finger in it. And I I took a big swoop and and ate it. And I said, "Tastes good to me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and put it right back in the fridge. You know, it, it's got wine in it, and I mean, just. They do it so they want to sell more sometimes. Yeah. No, yeah. you know what? That's right. And then it, it, it depends. It depends. No, but again, but, I think most um, of the time, if you use your nose or a little bit of a taste test, you'll know. Yep. You'll know. But I think it's it's funny. Here's another here's another email. I'm curious if there's any regional dishes up in North Dakota that both Kim and Greg experienced uh, when they moved that they would recommend to us regional dishes. Walleye is anything, yeah. anything other walleye. than that. Walleye, tater tot, tater tot, hundred percent walleye. <laughs> yeah, tater tot hot dish. Well, there's there's Scandinavian yeah. things like what lefse and lutefisk. I've never had yeah, lutefisk. I, I don't recommend trying that. Those just suck. Well. Yeah, <laughs> if you like eating fish soup that smells, yeah. uh, lutefisk is your your deal. <laughs> you're, you're in, uh, <laughs> and left side you're, you're is in like, the front row there. Left says like when you take Lefse's the crust off of white bread, smush it with your hands, and just put sugar on it and shit. It's it's awful. If that's the Norwegian gift to the world culinary <laughs> stage, they got to step up their shit. Their shit is weak. Oh, because you know everyone says, "Oh, my lefts is the best." Is that I after trying about thirty lefses for everyone, I bailed on it. My kids won't even yeah. eat lefse, and my wife thinks it's because of me. But I think I said, "Heather, it tastes like shit. Like it doesn't. It's not dessert. It's not before. You can't dunk it in shit. I mean, if you're gonna dunk it in sugar and a bunch of other stuff like Nutella and everything, it's really not a dessert to stand on its own." Like Kim's creme caramel, you don't need shit on it. If you want to put berries, cool. But it can stand on its own. Chocolate <laughs> cake stands on its own. Lefts yeah. have sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think is, Wait a minute. Me, hold on, hold on. Is, uh, Heather, is Heather emotionally attached to Lefts, Greg? 
Well, I think because like her her parents it's are in Scandinavian. Her DNA. <laughs> yeah. But she she doesn't even make it herself, Max. So I know she her heart's not that much into it. But she just can't give in because it's it's you yeah. arguing with her and she will never do exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Go ahead, Kim. You were gonna mention something about walleye. All right. Well, after after walleye being the most incredible thing I've discovered when I moved here, uh, the the second thing was buffalo ribs. Oh and yeah, the Siouxland buffalo at the end of Demers. Uh, that's I used to. They used to butcher their own buffaloes, and they'd have roast uh, hamburgers. And they, they used to make my buffalo burgers. But uh, the thing that blew me away were the the buffalo ribs with my barbecue sauce on them. And, and uh, you know, like I'd season them up and, and uh, over, overnight wrap and put them in a pan and wrap them overnight. And then uh, let, let the, the marinade uh, or the, the seasoning go in. The next day, I just take that out. I throw some water on them, and uh, they were standing uh, on their side, bones, you know. And uh, so I could pack them in a, a six-inch uh, or eight-inch uh, hotel pan, and then foil them and boil them for about an hour. Pull them out. Then I'd uh, wrap them and refrigerate them. And uh, they still had a little ways to go, but I take them out and then I throw them on my charbroiler, and uh, and then uh, flip them once, and then start adding the barbecue sauce, and let that cook in. But uh, that's something that people freaked out over at Sanders, uh, and uh, I, I I loved them. I I could eat those. <laughs> a lot. No, uh, I would say uh, number one. Mac, his ribs were first of all they were Tyrannosaurus Rex size, <laughs> but they had so much <laughs> meat on, so much meat on them. Like not like a baby back rib where you, you know, it's a little bit of meat. This shit had a lot of meat. So when you had the meal, it came with mashed potatoes and a salad or whatever and, and stuff. But you. You got an ample supply of tender, and the ribs wouldn't fall off the bone. That's not what you want. You want a little bit of stickage and that little tooth feel, and that's exactly what it was. It was fantastic. The um, Thank now, you. you know what? I I I cooked ribs. I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and I'm never going to do it again. First They're all, hard. Yeah. First of all, if you don't start with great like buffalo ribs like Kim, because that's that's when my kids think of ribs. This is how Kim fucked my kids up. When yeah. when they think of ribs, they think of Kim's ribs, <laughs> right? And so if you yeah, you go to the store and you even if you try to buy good ribs, they're not like Kim's. They're not like everyone's like a mini steak, right? And it's it's too much work, you know, to eat them, and you're filthy, you know, if they're not great. So I I just canceled that off the menu forever. I will never cook it again. You know, Mac, it's so tough now to see people, these competitions on TV. People don't realize that the guys smoke them for so long. Then they wrap them up and put them in the oven to finish so that they could steam. 
you know, and that's one that's of the right. prerequisites. Yeah, the prerequisites to get a good rib, but it is a labor of love. You got to find the rub you like, uh, whether you like a dry rub or whatever. So that's why when you go to the goddamn south and you you go to like Tennessee and Nashville and some of the places that have famous ribs, you go in there, you say, give me a full slab, be willing to pay 30 bucks for your meal, maybe more, and just enjoy them because you're going to spend 26 on ribs at the store and then five, five or 10 hours work making ribs that aren't even half as good. Yeah, no shit. And then you, and, just, and, then you eat it and you're and like, fuck my this. Re- hey, and worst of all, my, my, my worst of all, my daughters eat them and say, fuck this, right? <laughs> That's the worst. Yeah. Like, you know, and they're being polite and they're like, like, dad, look, these aren't like Kim's. I'm like, don't say his name at this Uh-oh. dinner table, goddammit. <laughs> God bless him. Uh, <laughs> When you cook ribs, when you buy ribs, you got you like you go to Sam's or wherever you get your ribs, uh, and you look at them and you see is there enough meat on this bone or is it those little baby back little where you got to put your pinky up to eat the goddamn things. What yes. you do is if you get a meaty rib, you buy it, you bring it home. The number one thing you do is on the bottom of it is a silver skin that covers the whole rack. And if you don't peel that off, you might as well throw it in the garbage because you you have to pull that out. And then I put a dry rub on them and I put them in the fridge overnight. And then I boil them for at least an hour if they're big enough to warrant me buying them. And then I let them cool, refrigerate them. And it's just the reverse of these people in the South that uh, wrap them and steam them after they've cooked for six or seven hours. Uh, And then all you have to do is throw them on the grill, heat them up, and then sauce them. And turn them a couple times and sauce them so the sauce goes in to it or just they've been uh, seasoned with the dry rub then just cook them off until they're uh, crispy. Okay. All right. Let me, let me, and, I want to uh, go, sir, I want, I want to go back Kim. So the first thing is, yes, we're, we're, I mean, so go online and, and find Buffalo ribs, find big brontosaurus, Buffalo ribs. Yeah, you can. Okay. So that's one. I, I, yeah, I think you can. I I, uh, I uh, get them at, at Siouxland's Buffalo, or I, I'll, you know, then uh, the, the feds came in and said, oh, you can't uh, process your own ribs. So they have a buffalo plant in, in New, Bed- New Rockford, I think it is. And, uh, and that's where everybody sends their buffalo to get processed. And uh, it's hit or miss uh, with the size of them. They're all going to be pretty brontosaurus size. Okay. But uh, that's that's how you would get them. Okay. Uh, all right. So that's the and, ribs. And, and, and then, so hold on. Now, <clears throat> you said you pull the lining off it. Okay. Could you explain that to people who it, heard it? Go ahead. Okay. It's, it's, it's called a silver. 
it's it's a membrane. It's a skin that holds it together. And and once you get it worked at the short end of the the ribs, because ribs are tapered, uh, then you rip it towards the big end and and pull that. It'll come right up once you get it going. And then you you can put your rub on and and see and then wrap and cover them overnight. You should always uh, cover your ribs with a dry rub overnight, just like I did with the prime rib. Uh, I do with the prime rib, but that silver skin is. And if you don't know, you ask the butcher you buy your ribs from. Uh, where's the silver on this? Show, show me. And they'll show you the bottom of the rib. Uh, and they should show you how to do it or tell you how to do it. Otherwise, you can just drop the ribs and walk out. Because it, it's something that is essential to doing ribs. But if, if, if you don't, uh, you mess the whole project up. All right, so so you so you essentially you pull that membrane off the rib, right? You, you yes. You put the rub on it. You let it sit overnight. Now the next thing you said was you boil them for an hour. I did. Well, the brontosaurus ribs were so big, the buffalo ribs, uh, a rack weighed around two pounds, three pounds. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, then, uh, yeah, I did an hour and a half. But you boil it to kind of tenderize it and and cook them a little bit. So, you know, you take that long time. You can still put them on a smoker. Yeah, no, but I, I just want to uh, get the, the, boiling, the, the boiling piece is you're, 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 you're cooking the meat, yeah? And so the only thing yes. you're going to do is when you slow cook it is essentially tenderize the meat, slow cook it for flavor. Yay? Yes, yes. And and and, and if you have a smoking box, you, you do. You put some wood chips in there and you'll get that smoky flavor uh, in your meat. And, uh, okay. you know, now these bar- barbecue comp- competitors – would say that I was full of shit because no, you got to cook them low and slow for three to six, seven hours, whatever. And that's not how I did it. That I just, I want everybody to eat my ribs and say, geez, these are tender. They, they've got flavor. I can taste the buffalo meat. Uh, I love the sauce or I like it. Without the sauce, it did not matter to me because the dry rub has already been put into to the rib and then cooked the next day. I never, uh, I never put problem. sauce on his ribs, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You you were a no. straight up shooter. No, because yep. like you know, it's this, it's the same thing as when I don't know if you've ever seen shows. Uh, Anthony Bourdain, Mac, he's one of my favorite. Yeah. Passed yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> But he he has been to some of the best sushi houses in the world. 
And the, yeah. these sushi restaurants like seat two to four people. When you go in, there is no menu. Yeah. The chef makes what he wants. And he was the one who made this point. He said, if you come to a sushi place, put a big thing of soy sauce in the tray, put some wasabi in and mix it up, and then dunk your fish in there. He says, you might as well just get up and bitch slap the chef because he put the stuff together for the taste. So it's very similar to Kim's ribs or whatever. If I go to a restaurant and I order something, I don't want to have to accompany with five pounds of sauce, although it might be an option or a, a coating of some sort to cover shit up. I want to see it stand on its own. Now that's my opinion, but I think that it's, it's a good one uh, to go by at least to start off from. I agree. I agree. And you know what I like that doesn't, that I don't like sauces on are chicken wings. I want the sauce on the side. If I want to dunk it in the sauce, I will. Yep. I want to taste uh, how crunchy that chicken wing is. Uh, what kind of seasoning they put on? Did they flavor it? Uh, and uh, I, I never, never get my wings all pre-sauce. You know where they come and they're just messier than shit to handle. Uh, you got it everywhere. You got sauce everywhere. Go home and take a bath. And but, I uh, think the worst. <laughs> The, the worst I, thing I ever, like my sauces on the side. The worst thing ever made that makes the restaurant so much money is boneless wings, a.k.a. chopped up pieces of chicken oh. breast or thighs that oh, they put God. eight inches of coating on and then serve it to you. So the real meat portion is about a tenth of an ounce. And then they drown it in a bunch of sauce and say, yeah. here, here's some boneless wings. Like, come on, man. The bone is where the flavor's at. Yeah, but let me tell you this. Yeah. The Moon used to make some of that, and I'm not going to lie to you. I liked it. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm right. just saying I prefer the chicken right. wing. No, no, you're right. I, <laughs> right? I, I like to tear my wing apart. Yep. This place in Grand Forks. sucks the bones. Is the Moon there anymore? The, it's the, yeah, it's there. It, the Moon did, is still there. Did the, did the Towers family sell it, though? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, the Palmasino family bought it. Back in the day, right, They, I think they were teriyaki. They they said wings, but they were bites. Yeah. And you bought, you got those with uh, some kind of ranch uh, seasoned dressing they had. You dunk that stuff. The combination was uh, was awesome. The Moon Ranch was the Moon Ranch was ranked number one in the city. It was awesome by far. Yes, it, it was. It was good stuff. Man. It was good stuff. The um, no, you know, it's interesting. I uh, I first had my in laws were from Buff- are from Buffalo. My father in law he's he's passed, but um, it's the first time I ever had. Before Buffalo chicken wings were a national thing, so this would have been in the early eighties. Yeah, yeah. They made chicken wings, so we're, you know we're going over my, to my parents for dinner, and what's for dinner? Chicken wings. I'm like chicken wings, <laughs> and Susan was like, "Oh my god, they're the best." Like, <laughs> okay, so it was made. It was invented by yeah. an Italian lady at the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, uh, and so they. I'd never heard of it, right? So they uh, they fried their yeah. They they rolled the the uh, the wings in Dixie fry, and then oh, yeah. uh, a big uh, a big wok, you know, with the uh, with uh, the oil heated up, and 
they'd stand there and they'd make those things for a couple hours. And they would have a pile of them and it'd go in the, go in the oven. And every time they, they put them in the oven, they just shake uh, Lowry's season salt on them and yeah. they put them in. And by the time people yep. sat down to eat yep. and then they had blue cheese dressing, oh my God. It was Fantastic. that became, oh my, it was like the, it was, yeah. it was a huge treat. But again, all it was was yeah. the Dixie Fry and Lowry season salt to go back to something Greg said a bit ago about, you know, there's classic seasonings out there that, that are fantastic in the aisle that will give you vertigo and make you pass out. Yeah. 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 No, and it's a tribute. What's that? Uh... Go ahead, Kim. Greg, Greg, what's that place on the sorry, Mac, oh, on the south end uh, that does all the wings and uh, a little beer bar? Buffalo you know Wings. You know I mean? Uh, Parrots K. Parrots K. Parrots K. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. The, per, per, yeah, that's that for me. That's the best wing in town. They also have good crawfish, and, uh, Cajun Cajun pasta, and. Uh, Boudin yeah. and all, like yeah. all sorts of different shit that you would not expect. They only serve beer, and good luck getting a seat there probably after 3 o'clock on an average day. Yeah. Yeah, you're just it, – it's just packed, and the food, all the food is very good. We we held our Christmas party there a couple of years, and uh, Rob was just so gracious and – the food was great, and the service is awesome. The girls are real, uh, real sassy, and uh, you know, because then back then you could smoke in there, and yeah. now you can't. But uh, which is fine with me. But uh, boy, what good wings! You really know, they good. Matt, they made, made a wing, wing so hot that they they were claiming that it beat COVID. <laughs> Yeah. How did, did anybody test it out? Did anybody, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did anybody call doc? Did anybody call Doctor Fauci and ask him? Doctor Fauci's eating wings as we speak. <laughs> All right. What are you guys doing this weekend, Greg? Any, you do anything this yeah. weekend? I was supposed to be at a baseball diamond today, but instead I'm going to shovel the driveway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not sticking. There's not snowing yet, but we're supposed to get even some more snow tomorrow. So I don't think we'll be playing ball. They have a rule in North Dakota. Where if the temperature is under 42 degrees, they will not let the kids play, which I think is really fair because the other day, did you see the major league deal where it was freezing rain at the start of the game? Yeah. And the umpire, the umpire threw the ball to the pitcher and he kept throwing the balls to the dugout because he refused to pitch and the umpire had to call the game back. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Oh my God. Look it up. It's absolutely hilarious. Dump just Dump just throws his hands in the air. He's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Okay, we're we're stopping," because the balls were all wet. So you're asking a guy the temperature at game yeah. time was thirty thirty nine degrees, and they're asking him to pitch, you know, ninety five mile an hour gas. Yeah, in those conditions, and what it, you know, um, yeah. I was watching. Um, the Yankees are absolutely horrible right now, but being a fan, I have to watch. It's like you can't take your eyes off the train wreck, right? So Stanton sucks. Oh my God, he's horrible. He's horrible. And, and and you know what's what's amazing is, in spite of how bad they are, it's like, well, I'm not going to change my approach. Blah blah blah. Well, bro, you might want to because you fucking suck. But that's anyway, the dumbest thing ever. Oh it's, my that's God. the dumbest thing ever. I hate it. 
I hate it. You I know hate the, guy, the guys, the guys that have a routine uh, and say, "Well, I don't mess my my routine," and I go, "You haven't scored in thirteen <laughs> games. You want to you want to maybe mess with your routine a bit to get a fucking goal?" Yeah, we can tell you have a guaranteed contract. Contract. Yeah, because you if you were getting hourly paid, you'd change that shit right now. But oh, yeah. they they put on. I don't know if you guys yeah, remember this. It was, I think, a playoff game, and it, the Yankees were playing the Indians. And there was a guy who was pitching by the name of Java Chamberlain, and he could throw pretty well. I love him. He's fat. He's a fat guy, right? He looked like he looked like Babe Ruth. His face looked like Babe Ruth. But he is gets descended on by these kind of mosquito like gnats, and they're all over the pitcher's mound. And then and and he can't pitch because they're they're clinging to the sweat on his body, and they're just swarming him. And then they go out and they spray oh, him dude. with all this off or whatever they spray him with, right? And then come to find out that that just made it worse. And so he's trying to pitch and they're swarming it. And Joe Torre said, uh, I think Michael Kay said this. He said, you know, I <laughs> it, talking to Joe Torre about that, he said it's one of the, the biggest regrets because it was a playoff game that he has because he did not pull the Yankees off the field. And he should have. Because you just couldn't, he could the kid that yeah. he said that guy could not pitch, and and the Yankees got beat, and the kid was never the same after that. And he said, and maybe it was psychological or whatnot. But Tori says it's one of the things he regrets most in his career that he didn't do the right thing and say this is not safe, this is not good to play in. We're not playing. Hey, I got a question for you, Mac. Baseball. Wow. Yeah, Mac. Yep. So. Yesterday, I was listening to a show. The all-time great Yankees, Babe Ruth, and uh, what number did he wear? Three. And what number did Lou Gehrig wear? Four. I found out why they picked those numbers. They didn't pick them. They were assigned because that's, exactly. the, that's the way they batted in the order. One, two, right? three, and four. I never knew why the old, like the old timers never had 20s and 30s and shit now the numbers are all over the goddamn place but back in the day when yeah. when you know you, you get you i mean those guys got paid obviously but here here's your fucking jersey <laughs> eat it this is your number you know what i mean well you know they yeah. start <laughs> they start and they don't have numbers and then they get told, yeah, we're going to put a number on your jersey, right? And you could imagine what they did, like, all right, why? Well, that way For when you're announcers. running around, yeah, people can people can tell who you are. Okay. Like, like the fact that, like, so, I mean, you're right. It's hilarious, right? And that's how they went. They went right down the batting order. You're one, you're two, you're three, you're four, you're five. Wow. That's funny. That's funny. So what if you didn't bat? You got no number. Really? <laughs> no, you got to. I guess they assign the extra guys just numbers, right? If wow. you Yeah, if you went down, it'd be interesting. You know, they probably went right down. The, here's the batting order, right? So these guys get their numbers. And then let's just start with everybody else. <laughs> so, <laughs> Pitchers. It, it, we only have 25 numbers because we only have 25 roster spots. Yeah. Funny. Yeah, I was amazed. I never, I honestly never knew that about their numbers. You know, I just assumed that they picked their numbers, but. I mean, you look at Babe Ruth. I mean, he was the picture of uh, being an athlete at the time. You know, slim and trim and uh, <laughs> all rocked up. Yeah, Hel- health, never did, healthy. No healthy eating, drinking. Never, you know, never smoked, never <laughs> drank. Well, you want to know how? Um, you know, when you look at what's interesting about Babe, about Babe Ruth is he would hit more home runs himself 
than other teams would hit in a year. He by himself. That's how much an anomaly he was when he played. You know, it was just crazy at the well, time. In the, in the same in the same thing, I learned about the numbers. The announcer was talking about. He said they did a survey of a hundred people at the last ballpark they were at, and said, if you got to go up against a major league pitcher for a hundred pitches, how many times do you think you'd put the ball in play? One guy said probably 20 to 25. And most of the answers were like, I don't know, I'd get like five or 10 and stuff like that. And these people have delusions of grandeur. If they sat like in Wrigley next to the plate where it's pretty damn close and saw a 98 mile an hour fastball or the exit velo on a bat coming on third base or whatever, I think they'd shit their pants because. <laughs> If a pitcher or if those yeah. guys stepped in the box, they'd, they'd buzz the tower once, and those guys wouldn't sit in the box anymore. Right. Well, let me just tell you, no. um, you know, I, I mean, I, I had a very interesting, you know, seat growing up as a little kid. And when I was little, it was just fun to be there. But as I became a teenager, you know, and you, you got a chance, and I wanted to be a baseball player. And, and then you really start watching these guys hard. And you see how good they are, right? That that I don't care what era you look at, the, these groups of athletes, and I don't care what sport you're in, they were the freaks of their time in terms of hand-eye coordination and ability to mentally make a play and see it in real yep. time. And I don't care what era you look at, and, and every era is different, and, and they get bigger and faster and stronger. But, you know... I remember watching a game with my friends, and, and, and I remember the guy's name. His name was Ray Euler. He was a backup infielder for Detroit. He got traded to the Oakland A's when my dad was there. And we're watching a game in Sacramento, and the A's are on. And, we're, and one of my friends says, that guy sucks. And I said, that guy is better than anybody you've ever seen. He would yep. hit it farther, and you should see the plays he makes when those guys throw it from the outfield, and it's a bad hop. I mean – and he, and he just picks it. He catches it out of the dirt and whatnot. And I said, but we sit here on TV and watch, <laughs> and you see all the other great athletes, and you say, oh, yeah, he sucks. Let me tell you, that guy is he's awesome. And we don't appreciate it, how hard and how fast and how good they are. And, uh, and again, but Babe Ruth, you know, when people ask about him, you know, and talk about him, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, he's a drinker and a partier. But when you look at, I mean, what he was was he was a behemoth of a man yeah. right, with incredible hand-eye coordination. He starts his career as, a, as, as one of the best pitchers in the American League for the Boston Red Sox. And then they trade him to the That's Yankees right. who make him an everyday player because the way he could hit. And then they build Yankee Stadium for him with short left, short right field. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's – his, I think it's a bit of a tragedy with Babe Ruth in that people don't really realize what an anomaly he was. I mean, that'd be like somebody hitting 240 home runs now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine that, you know, yeah, yeah. that he's that different of a guy, right? And so, and even the money he made, he was making as much as, uh, he was making more than the president, right? And that famous quote, like, do you think you should be making more than President Hoover? And he says, hell yeah, I do. I had a better year than he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, yeah, I love the confidence. I, I'm 
sorry to get you sidetracked, Mac. I just thought I, uh, that, they, you know, no, no, that's funny. That no, that, those little, little bits of trivia, but uh, but no, yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting stuff. And uh, all right, anyway, all right, boys. Thank you very much for the I visit. Have a, I have a question. I have a question for Greg sure. before he goes. Uh, all right. How the uh, Sue going to do tomorrow in the playoffs? I think the they're going to do. I think they're going to do well. I mean, I think uh, you know it's bad when Vegas opened up the game as a Sue as a nine and a half point favorite at nine in the morning. By eleven, it had dropped to seven points because so much money was laid on the Bears uh, to cover the spread. So I'm not saying they're going to go out and just absolutely crush them, but I think they got a good quality chance to win. Uh, Missouri gives up the the most sacks and stuff. So uh, hopefully they can get their first playoff win in this crazy season. I know my son's excited. Uh, He actually, they cut the rosters for playoffs uh, to certain players, but he gets to dress tomorrow, so he's excited. Hot shit. Congratulations. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And you're feeling better? You're feeling okay? Yeah, I got some more stuff to do coming up here next month and stuff, so we'll, we'll keep you posted. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll tell, cool. tell Peyton we all said good luck. All right, take care, boys. Love right. you. Yeah. All right, see you, Kim. See you, Jay. Love Jay, you Rick. guys, too. All right. Take care. There you have it. The uh, – yeah. Greg Lotus and uh, and Kim Holmes here on uh, Friday. And that'll do it. That'll do it. My thanks to them, as always, for coming on. If you're just tuning in, don't touch that dial. A couple of interesting DOD stories. And, uh, and then we talk a little bit about uh, cooking. Yeah, Kim gives his buffalo rib recipe. So uh, you don't want to miss that. Anyway... Um, I'm head to Hawaii on Friday. I think what I'm going to try to do, though, is I, I interview Grant Newsham over the weekend. You'll hear that on Monday, I think, because um, a couple of interesting things uh, happened. One relative to China. The other uh, relative to the Philippines saying that they would send military vessels to defend their economic exclusion zone. And, uh, and three... You know, the aftershocks of the Prime Minister of Japan coming to Washington, D.C. So I'll try to record something over the weekend with Grant and uh, have that on Monday as I'll be in Pearl Harbor. So have a great uh, have a great weekend. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Don't be afraid to change somebody's life. Um, it's, uh, it's very cool stuff. Um, I can't tell you how the things that happen to me on a regular basis. They're crazy. I got a text message last night. Um, I got a text message last night that said somebody who's in the seminars, okay, says this to me. Just a suggestion for our Monday meeting, have someone read one of the three goals or Ten Commandments or one of each. Start next week and start the meeting with that. And so I said, I said, will you coordinate it? I'll let everybody know that you're going to honcho it. All they have to do is to pick a goal or a commandment, read it, 
give their thoughts on what it means to them and whatever else they want to say. How does that sound? Her response. Her name's Gretchen. Right? That works. Um, so, you know, you see people, you know, get excited. Now, you've heard this guy. You heard this guy. Um, on All Marine Radio. His name is Ronnie Rays. His dad was killed in Vietnam when Ron was, I think, two months old. So he never met his father. He's met uh, men from his dad's battalion and who have adopted him. Um, so last night, at about seven minutes after 10, I'm sitting here working, getting ready to go to bed. I get this. Mac, I hope all is well. I'm speaking on Memorial Day. I would like to use turning trauma into joy and credit you for such a profound idea. I have embraced it from the minute you mention it. I am cool with whatever feels right for you. The other thing I embrace is you belong to us. My response to him using trauma to joy was, of course, I'd be honored. My response to the other thing I embraced is you belong to us. And that happened. So he's talking about meeting these guys from 1-9 and how they treated him. And I'm listening to him. And then he said something else along those veins. And I said, hey, Ronnie, you don't get it, do you? And he said, what? I said, you belong to us, motherfucker. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, your dad was one of us. That makes you one of us. Do you not understand that? And um, he said, I did understand that. I didn't understand that. And so th- those things happened to me. Right. Um, those things happen to me because of this thing. And and really, all I do is when I hear that somebody's hurting, I, I try to help them. And so I would tell you, if you want to if you want to improve your life. In the year 2021. Um, take a look at those three goals and Ten Commandments, download them to your phone, read a little bit about Viktor Frankl. And when you hear somebody struggling Say, hey, I've got something I'd like to share with you. And and watch what happens to your life. So I'm, I'm going to tell you this as a, as a selfless human being. If you want to improve the quality of your life, give more. And I've got a perfect tool for you. So with that said, I'm out. Have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday from Pearl Harbor. Yeah, I'm geeked about that. <laughs>